It's a torridly humid summer day on Broadway Street in New York City. Two drivers have just had a near collision. They get out of their vehicles and they start screaming at each other over who retrospectively would have been at fault. As they fight in the middle of the street, everyone else sharing the road or the street with them really wants them to move on and clear up the mess that they've just created, the traffic mess that they've inconveniently, inconveniently just caused. But here's the thing, they both were partially at fault. They finally decide to swallow their pride, get back in their cars, clear up the road, uh, and, and move on. Meanwhile, on the sidewalk, another altercation has now begun to take place. A gentleman is publicly shaming another gentleman for not wearing a mask. The person not wearing the mask angrily yells, I put my faith in God, not white scientists, and God doesn't tell us to wear a mask. They keep yelling back and forth for about another minute without really coming to an agreement, and they too eventually part ways and do so angrily. The shamer was right. Experts have found that not wearing a mask can pose a public health risk for the community. Yet, the anti-masker was unequivocally right as well. Nowhere in the Vedas, the Torah, the Holy Bible, the Quran, or even the Book of Mormon does the creator of all existence instruct that wearing face masks, that we must wear face masks during a COVID-19 pandemic. So both were indeed correct. These incidents raise a question. Can cranky, sweaty men competing over the truth come to agreement that, uh, come to an agreement that perhaps both are wrong or maybe both are right? Or must there always be a winner and a loser? True story, folks. Yeah, you gotta get in your grandstanding and your hot dogging, don't you? Yeah! So, Professor, do you think everything in life can uh, be explained or reduced to a metaphor that gets played out in sports? Does that make sense? Does the mm -hmm. question make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think especially if, if, if you look at life as – um, it's just this kind of ongoing struggle of competition and competitions in a variety of forms. Um, you know, the, yeah, sports is like the, it's, it's the perfect metaphor for that. Is it silly of me to, you know, I, I, I occasionally will dabble in Jung and he deals, he uses mythology the metaphors and mythology to understand those harder, more difficult. And Jung's not the end. They're philosophies, a bunch of different, really amazing people talk about the importance of metaphor, but it, can sports be included in that? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, sports, you know, developed. I think sports are, are a reflection of, of you know, the the social world that they were created within, you know? Uh, I think Camus said, um, like, the greatest lessons in life for him, he was a goalie. He played he played soccer. He said that, you know, everything he, basically everything he ever needed to learn about life, he learned from sports. And I agree 100% with that. Yeah, Camus sounds, he's he's like your spirit animal. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And not to call him an animal. Sorry, that was <laughs> You two are kindred spirits is what I meant to say. <laughs> Yeah, I love that guy. He's yeah. So, so you think you think? I mean, it, it, it. Why? Why? Is it the fact that because sports are a game that people, a big huge part of the, the concept of what a what sports, what what sport is, is that it, it is a game at its at its core. And that maybe sometimes games are not the best way to explain serious things. Is it as simple as, is that, is that really as simple as it is? Like, that's why people maybe laugh at the idea that sports, because when I say that to people, I I think they kind of find it endearing or charming, but they don't really think that I really believe that sport, that I, they don't really believe that I actually do use sports as a way of understanding life. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, because so even yeah cuz thinking beyond the competition the way that the way that i like the most the way i see sports is as reflecting us in, in is just in the in the fact that we've the exact same way that we've created and cuz and and i feel like this is something we essentially basically talk about every every episode of grandstands you know every what we've created as far as these belief systems and these value systems and these like goal to give ourselves purpose in life we Mm -hmm. we invent goals you know whether it be through money or getting to heaven or whatever and so that's you know the 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 social world that we live in is in order for it to, to in order to facilitate cooperation we've had to make it a game we've had to make it a sport um and so that's why I think that's why, why you know, why you and why we keep coming back to this, um, you know, this this use of sports as as the metaphor to explain, you know, everything else we see going on around us. Don't you I think? Have one, yeah, no, I, I yes, one hundred percent. Do you think? Do you think that? Um, the element of competition is off-putting to people and and sometimes we kind of have because we do well i tend to equate when i hear competition i immediately think capitalism or that's kind of uh th- th- those are two kind of our are, are tied together and that that when you sports evoke competition which evokes capitalism and kind of evokes a, a, a way that maybe we're, we as a humanity are trying to evolve past and a lot of people that I love respect and admire thinkers uh, who I really look up to they, they 
they hate competition or they're against competition. They think competition is silly. Is that another element of why sports maybe, when I say sports explains life, uh, it sounds trite, I know, but uh, that, that competition element also adds to the fact that people can't take it seriously as a, as a, as a, in a way to approach reality and a philosophy of life. Yeah, you're saying that's what turns people off from right. from making right. that. Yeah, how about could, turns yeah. them off from going deeper with sport into right. sport? Right. Yeah. Um, that. Yeah, I hadn't thought of like if, if it's the competition element that you know that maybe makes people uncomfortable. Um, but I feel like you could you could just as much as much as you focus on the competition element you can also um simultaneous it's in it's intertwined with with the cooperative element of sport too i guess that would just be something i would suggest to to people who are <laughs> like resistant to uh-huh. to that idea because of its competitive the competitive element yeah happens often like again thinkers that i really admire when they say they think sports are silly which they can be because mm-hmm. at the, you know they are silly but you can make the same argument for um religion or psychology or philosophy you know oh, totally no i mean exactly the, the, it, that that right there further explains it like sports are silly Sports are a reflection of us. We are silly. Like, we're, we're ridiculous people. Uh, yeah. So how you been, profe? Uh, good. I mean, just hang, hanging in there. Dude, I, I left... Um, I left my neighborhood for the first time yesterday in five months. Damn. Isn't that crazy? Where'd you go to the next neighborhood? <laughs> no, beyond, like... The next neighborhood is Harlem, and so when when in Harlem, it was like, whoa, I haven't been here in it felt like ages. And then after Harlem, um, getting into the, uh, I guess like I barely we barely touched the Upper West. We 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 rode our uh, bikes down. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, along down along the. Oh, that's uh, amazing. The, the West Side Highway. So. <clears throat> um, uh, so no, so I, so I went two neighborhoods out. I bet that felt fucking great. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was really, it was awesome, man. Um, it was a really nice day, so yeah. And, and, and what I also realized, I haven't worn, I have not worn a pair of jeans, a pair of boots, or a shirt with buttons on it in over five months to this day still. <laughs> Dang, this is a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about today. Did did you plan it that way? No. Oh, no, it, I literally, it, these these thoughts occurred to me yesterday on, on the bike ride when it was like, wow, I haven't, we haven't been out of the, this is the first time out of the neighborhood. And then, and then after I was like, dude, I haven't, I, I've literally worn basketball shorts every day for five months. <laughs> and I don't, I, I don't want to stop. Good for you. I've, I've, I've been getting dressed every morning, like ironing my shirts and 
putting on a blazer. I'm not joking. No, you know? I, I like, believe yeah, you. Yeah. Why do you do so that? It's, why would you say, why do you think you do that? Great question. Uh, immediately, I just say, I, I just enjoy getting dressed in the morning, you know? Mm-hmm. It's part of my part of my ritual for many, many years now, so I just didn't, I didn't want to stop doing what I was doing. Um, with that said, um, I have kept very COVID kosher, you know, I've, I've been playing by, by the rules, uh, meaning that I've been staying home and, and wearing a mask and, uh, social distancing, et cetera, et cetera, which sounds like you've been doing the same. So that's what we want to talk about today. And I have a million questions as you're telling that story, but um, I don't know. Did I answer your question? Yeah, I don't know. I like it. I just no, like I, getting I think dressed it's awesome. in the morning. I love it. I'm, yeah. yeah, I was just yeah. I was curious. Yeah, I like getting, and I even wear shoes. Like mm-hmm. I put on shoes, which is really stupid because a lot of my shoes are really hard. <laughs> like they're hard dress shoes, and it probably annoys the fuck out of my neighbor and annoys the fuck out of my family, and it's just there's just nothing right about what I'm doing. You know, if you think about it. Um, but I like it. And then I go through a stupid ritual at the end where I, I, you know, I undress and I, you know, I do a whole Mr. Rogers, you know, (laughs) that's, that's literally Uh, what I just had in my mind is Mr. Rogers. Uh I mean, yes, I've been called Mr. Rogers a million times. I think it was just, and I was just an embedded part of my reality Mm -hmm. and I just decided not to stop that part. Keeps, keeps some sense of normalcy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even though it's completely absurd. And I understand that, but so you've been you've been you've been following the rules, or should we? Is that a right way of saying it? Yeah, I mean that's what. Yeah, right. Like uh, like I, I've been following what what uh, what our our experts have um, have asked us asked us to do. do you to the point where in- it's like like it's almost kind of um um. Like it, like sometimes when De Blasio uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> praises us for, like it sounds like he's he it sounds like he's like patting us on the head like you guys have been so good. Look at look at the he shows us the graph because I watch his his press briefings every morning and and it's like look at the graph like, like sitting at the rug sitting yeah. at the carpet during like morning reading or something yeah yeah and it's like you've yeah. been doing so good and just remember like keep going don't don't stop. So it is, oh, that's beautiful. and this, and he was the same person who at the beginning of in early March was, was also telling us like, Hey, don't worry about it. Like it's, it's not a big deal. Ride the train, you know, it's, um, and so it's fun. Like, yeah. And I, and I listened to him. I went to Chinatown. Um, like that, that was my last night out in the city was in Chinatown, just, you know, going out and eating and drinking and stuff inside bars that were closed yep in march Mm -hmm. yeah that's beautiful um because you know once that's that was my favorite when they said all right we got to go what was it called lock in place no it's not called lock in place uh shelter in place yeah i just thought it was funny a lot of people getting in their last hurrahs as if the virus didn't start until the next day kind of thing, you know? And I saw, <laughs> right. I saw pictures of people. I think I already talked about this. Here. I, I found that really funny. No, I'm, I'm, I'm scared as hell. 
of this virus, even though I, it might, I might look like a complete idiot one day for believing all this. But um, <laughs> so you trust the experts? Yeah, yeah. Why? Is it because you are an academic and you are, in a sense, kind of part of that? Do you feel like you're a part of that? You are, in a way, an expert or part of that that guild, wouldn't you say? But not not um. But definitely not an expert on pandemics. Um, and so, yeah, so no. So I, I rely on on who I consider X. But I guess I, I... But you understand that there's a process, that there's a way of understanding things that requires thought and analysis and and a little bit of science to really to get to, to like an approximation of, I think this might be true or close to the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So you trust in that, right? Yeah, I do. I... I do. I still have a trust in, 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 in that process, and um, and those who have like who've committed themselves to it. Um, yeah, I think it's for me, and I think for a lot of people, and and maybe like let's see if we if we fall into these. Like, I think a big reason why I'm I I follow the rules, and I'm you know I'm doing what's what's been asked of us for for months now um it's you know the the aspect of it hitting close to home so even though i'm not around them like it's still when this when when the pandemic became a thing like my one of my first thoughts is thinking about you know the people so like my parents and their susceptibility to it so it hits like it hits closer to home um and then also the fact that i don't have a lot to lose by complying like i still um i can still work from home you know so so there isn't you know yeah i just don't have a lot to lose in that sense and then also i'm generally a rule follower like i'm a generally a conformist person by nature so i feel like those three things um made just make it easy for me to to follow along with with what's being asked of us um would you say you fall into those oh yeah oh yeah i'm, I'm a super conformist in that way and i'm a rule follower as well mm-hmm. uh, mostly because i don't want to be harassed by the people who enforce the rules and <laughs> yeah. you know and i'm talking like from the beginning my mom you know my mother was like she was a she was an authoritarian you know, and so when she gave a rule, I just listened because I just didn't like to be yelled at or or reprimanded. It's just not my thing. I'm not into that. I like, you know, but I was at you know a position of privilege as the oldest. I also kind of understood that very quickly, and and I'm still kind of in a position of privilege. So when I when people say follow the rules, it's easy for me to follow rules because I'm kind of in the same boat as you. You know, it's like okay, I'll stay home on my awesome laptop and with all my awesome gadgets and my books my you know my case of wine it's like yeah that's like i've been training my whole life for this <laughs> it's retirement you know <laughs> yeah. yeah this is great mm-hmm. you know yeah uh, so you don't, you don't have a lot to lose no mm-hmm. fucking very little uh but you know i also live in a really awesome neighborhood i was gonna add that to it as well mm-hmm. you know yeah so it's beautiful i walk around i can when i go outside to take a walk I, I'm instantly in a beautiful, another beautiful, my home is beautiful. The outside is beautiful. The, you know, or at least, you know, the way that I perceive 
it, it's just as beautiful to me, you know, I have access to things. I don't live in a food desert, you know, um, I, my neighbors are, are nice, decent folks. Um, so it's easy. Do you, do you think that's what made it easy for you not to have to leave your Washington Heights for five weeks or five months? Oh, the fact oh, that you have 100%. so many things available. Yeah. 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 We live right by a park. And so a park that has a trail. Mm-hmm. And so just being able to, um, to go into the, like into the woods, essentially, um, mm-hmm. it's huge. And not everyone has that option. Right. So we're in, we're in like a super duper unique, like we're, we're, we're in the, we're in the camp that, that it's that, that of people who isolating and social distancing, whatever is, is very simple to do. Right. We've, we've, have we made that point clear enough? Yeah. I think like that's, uh, so I don't pride myself on being a, someone who's been complying, um, because yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's easier for some people. And I think in general, people who comply, um, I don't know, like, would, is there any other factor you think, uh, contributes to that? Like it, whether it's either because the illness is, has like real potential consequences for them, um, they're generally rule followers and they don't have a lot to lose. Like, is there, is there any other reason you could think of why people, you know, what are the factors that make up the, the compliant camp? Hmm. I can't really think of anything, but as you're saying that I'm thinking it's, 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 uh, you know, you, I, mean, I have a respiratory, I have asthma, I have, you know, this, this, this thing could potentially really fuck my, my, my life up. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm afraid of getting the virus, but as you're saying that you're listing that, you know, it, obviously that's the most pressing concern. I don't want to get it, you know, but it's, it's not why I'm complying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hmm. It's not the top reason. It's really weird to, does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know no, if that to- makes totally, sense. Totally it seems kind of contradictory, but, and I don't want it. And I am really, I don't want, and, and I don't want to pass it along. So I also feel like I have this kind of, this like moral sense of obligation to like, to my fellow human, not to pass it along. Totally. Yeah, I I agree. And I think, but I, but I do also think, um, it's, it's so much easier to make moral and ethical decisions um, <laughs> when it involves when you know it, it it's not that inconvenient like when when, when you have a job a mo- yeah yeah like when making a moral <laughs> or ethical like you know environmentalist like conscious mm-hmm. decision or whatever um, it's it's just it's a lot harder to do when it's a lot more inconvenient for you you know so right um so yeah, I do. I that's that's true because that's I didn't I left that part out is is the moral aspect to it. Um, um, but yeah, but I do also think it's easy. It's easier for us to be moral in our circumstances. Of course, because I can buy masks. You know, I can go to Target and pick up a mask. Um, or Sarah can make you one. Yeah, or I can order one online, or I can. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I can ride my bike, 
you know, yeah. my bike that's really nice and like it's really fun to ride, not like some clunky old thing that I found in my, you know what I'm saying? It's like right. it just everything about it is so easy. You're right. Mm-hmm. So we've established that we're very lucky, you and I. Yeah. And it's simple to make this choice. <clears throat> yeah. So to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Oh, and I guess, and 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 the other one would be for us. Um, I mean, I guess I won't. I'll speak for myself, and um, uh-huh. I'm not like a anti-government. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a right, um, right, a big you know anti-big government person. So, so right. politically, um, also in that sense, it's easier for for me to make that choice. Yes, same. So now, before we talk about the person who's in our place that doesn't, still doesn't want to adhere to the principles of, let's just say, social distancing, um, what about the other side? What about the people that absolutely fucking despise this whole, who don't even believe that the virus is real, who maybe if they do believe they, they're apprehensive about having to follow certain rules because they've kind of reached their limits um, because they just like, you know, because of the big government, because they don't trust experts, you know, mm-hmm. why would somebody, I mean, we, that, that, that kind of all is clear, but, but what else is happening there? What if you have everything, but you just, you just don't feel like this applies to you and you're just going to go on with your life as if nothing had happened. So you're saying like, so for the people who, um, who who also don't don't have a lot to lose by complying, but still mm-hmm. like adamantly mm-hmm. refuse to. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't because there's like the people who we don't even need to talk. Like they're they're the ones. Who, That's what who, I mean. Who yeah. make this complicated are the ones who. So can we? Can you? So let, before we do that, mm-hmm. can you? Let's can can you uh, can you describe from your perspective like the people that are not compliant? Can can we? Can we generalize and draw a quick, quick profile, profile picture of who that person may be? Well, it's different ones, right? So there's like the one right. who who doesn't comply because they have a lot to lose, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're like the most they're the they're the ones that open up that like really difficult conversation about like of course oh you know yeah no I get it man like um this person's like whole livelihood is being ruined by like you know an economic uh by like yeah the economic shutdowns and so on um but then there's like the person who it's not it's not that they have a lot to lose it's just um it's like you said it's it's this it's losing just it feels like there's this pocket of people who are just by resisting um the especially with the mask like the masks have become like this like political social cue you know to wear one or not it's like wearing a a trump cap or not you know like Mm -hmm. people who are just resisting the dominance of progressivism like the reality is progressivism is is by far winning the culture wars um and and there's a, a a large pocket of of society that is getting increasingly 
um, frustrating and like are resisting against that and and refusing to wear a mask. I think is just another form of that. Is like is it's another form of them saying um, we do not agree with the progressive direction our my country is is going in. So who the so can can we go back very quickly to the people who don't have an option? How did you describe it? The people, the people who like who who do have a lot to lose by complying. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Basically, people that have to go to work still at yeah. a, like an actual brick and mortar location. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. who can't, who maybe don't have savings, right? Or people who can't afford to, or maybe there are a lot of people who can't collect unemployment for whatever, you know, because they're undocumented, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, Am I missing? Who who else am I missing? Yeah, no, no, those, yes, exactly. Maybe single single parent, like single parent home. I mean, I I wonder what that, what's happening. Anyways, we'll get into that later, but... um, yeah, yeah, no, those, and I guess, and, and there's also two, not, like, there's two different types of uh, complying, re, complying, resisting or not, mm-hmm. um, is there's masks and then there's social distancing. Um, mm-hmm. More people, way more people are, are willing to put on masks. Like, that's, that's less, like, that's the more politically charged one. Um, social distancing I would say the large majority of people who don't social distance, it's it's apolitical. It's not for political reasons. It's just, um, it's it's just because it's too it's too much of, of a disruption on their normalcy to not be able to go to their aunt and uncle's house, to not be able to you know go to go to just do things they normally do with with friends and family and stuff. Um, and I don't think it has any I, – I, I think with most of those people, there isn't a, a political implication there. Um, it's just that we're social creatures, and it's really hard. It's, like, super hard to, um, to you know, to, to not be that. Um, but then when we get into, like, the masks and, like, that – and then this kind of, like, overt resistance, there, there's that political – that, like, conservative political element. Because it's kind of like like uh, you're violating my my First Amendment, right? Yeah, I mean that's right. Like it's this. It's don't you don't want the nanny state uh, telling telling you what to do? Do they really believe that, or is it just a reaction to kind of the pundits and the people that they hear? And this this is kind of this is absurd populistic reaction to something that they don't understand i mean yeah media yeah media plays a big part but wouldn't you say don't it it seems like what media is doing is just simply it's just confirming the bias that right it's you it for a lot of people you don't want to believe that this is a big you don't want to believe that covid is like it's more comforting to believe that it's blown out of proportion. Um, and depending on how you look at things and how you look at certain numbers and date, like stuff that's being put out, there's like, it's, I don't think it's, I don't think people are dumb for, for 
coming to the conclusion like, eh, this isn't a, like this is this is totally being blown out of proportion. Um, I don't think it's it's crazy to suspect that that there is an, uh, a part of this there is a strategic hysteria for the sake of making this country feel like it's at at its worst of its worst because there's an election coming up and and people want Trump out and so you know like so there's I don't think it's crazy for people to to feel that way and of course and yeah and, and so if you have right-wing media that's that's spewing that all day um it um like i don't think they're the ones feeding the narrative to people i think it's they're just confirming that the narrative that people um you know want to believe and 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 in the end i think it's it it's it's the people who are fed up with progressivism But do do you? I mean, every time I put that mask on, there's a level of apprehension. I do. I do have concerns about what some people call the nanny state, right? Mm. But at the same time, uh, this is not the first time that the world has had to deal with a pandemic, <laughs> you know. So it's it, this is. If you look back at the history, this shit's real. It's happened over and over and over throughout the course of our humanity. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I still feel sad and I still feel, there's a, again, there's a level of apprehension. Every time I put that mask on, I'm like, this is so fucking weird. I can't believe this. You know? Um, so there's, there's, a, there's, there's a kind of like my guard is completely up every time I put that mask on. You know? Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? Is this real? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, so, With that said, with that said, the, it, what motivates me to put it on is, is I, I don't, one, I don't want to get it <laughs> on the off chance that this isn't bullshit because if you look at history, we've had pandemics over and over and over. So there's a part of me that has a lot of faith in history. Not a part of Lara... A whole way that I deal with with the present is by thinking of in in term in historical terms, you know, in a historical context. So therefore, I put that mask on and I go, okay, but this is this has happened before, and people have had to wear mask, you know, before, and this helped, mm-hmm. right? So like, so I don't get it, and I don't pass it along. But at the same time, I don't know if I have enough information and enough data or do nor do I understand the data nor or the information correctly because you know in the, eventually you start chattering and talking to people and you start hearing conflicting things and then you get this you know this infodemic information overload and it's it's hard to it's hard to know what the fuck is right and what the fuck is wrong right totally yeah and and and, and so earlier we were just focusing on on the influence of right wing media mm-hmm. um but but also the big problem here is is mainstream media and mainstream journalism um uh hasn't been great like it's just it's it's people have lost their faith in 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 news media and journalism 
uh, I think for good reasons. Like they, there's, um, and 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 during this pandemic, like, you know, there's a lot of people trying their best, and they're and they're, you know, they they've been doing good work, but, um, but there has been so much mixed messaging that eventually, you know, people are gonna like like. If, if 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 kids if you keep giving kids uh mixed messages they're gonna they're gonna stop trusting you know stop trusting what what you say and and um you know the cnns and the new york times and those outlets of 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 the world of our country um they've i i i think they've done a poor job is so it bad info it. or or too much info um. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. Um. Maybe a combination of of I, but I think it's. I think they've lost a lot of trust in people because they've shown. Um. That, that they're not. They've shown that they they do have political agendas that also mm-hmm. help that, that play a part in driving their narratives. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. been exposed. They've been exposed on that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not to say that, and of course the Fox news is of, you know, they, they do too, like, like overtly, you know? Um, but so that's, and so that's the problem, right? So you, people are left with going, well, mainstream media is completely corrupted. Um, by politics and, and capitalism and so on. So let me turn to this. <laughs> let me turn to this YouTuber um, who has no, you know, who's who's who has no, uh, you know, agendas. Um, and then I think that's where the noise starts getting. Then when you when you go outside of the mainstream media and you just go into all the news sources you can get information from from the internet. Um, uh, it's it, it becomes overload and so many different messages that um, there's there's like you've said uh, the 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 arbiters are um, there's been a loss of the arbiters and and who to listen to all this within the context or. Or in the, in the in you know position in the in in a in a on a stage or reality where we're we're having a cultural war right in in the United States right mm-hmm. so there's this cultural battle going on and then like all and then this kind of comes into the mix yeah. and then and then of course that. I mean, the, the moment it became a thing, it immediately becomes politicized, right? Yeah, I, and, 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 and I naively believed, um, naively thought that maybe the pandemic would be what what helps, you know, um, helps will will lessen the the intensity of the culture wars. Um, and man, I was wrong completely. <laughs> Would this have been different if we weren't in the middle of a cultural war? Would this have been not so polarizing? 
Totally. I mean, there's culture wars happening in, in all societies, but not, you know, with different levels of intensity. And so I think when you look at other countries that um, that compliance looks different, and there's lots of reasons for it, but one of them is definitely, um, you know, the nature of their culture wars are, are different. Yeah. So what get what gets lost when we don't have uh, arbiters uh, to kind of what does an arbiter do? <laughs> it's the role of a they're a referee, right? Just, just tells us what to do and we listen. We have no reason not to listen. Like or we we have we have good reason to listen. It makes sense to listen to follow, to to follow their rules that they you know, that they instruct. Like an umpire? Like an or umpire, a judge? Yeah. yeah or a referee? I mean, mm-hmm. But, but when, and, but when the umpire keeps, when during a game, the umpire just, it's over and over and over, keeps making a bad call, what, what ends up happening? We replaced it. <laughs> we give it, uh, fights. We get the fights. Right? Yeah. Fights. Yeah. Disagreement, the crowd gets rowdy, mm-hmm. shit goes haywire. Mm-hmm. That's where we are. And that's, yeah, and that's why you get shit like Alex Jones and Pizzagate. And then in fucking, did you hear about Pizzagate? Oh, yeah. You remember that? Remember that? Okay. Yep. Very, yeah. um, and then he has to apologize. And I think I say that because it, it's, you know, it, it's kind of it, like you said, people, people looking for different answers or people looking to pretend or ignore something. So then they go to a conspiratorial thing to kind of put them at ease. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have and then you have a, a, a severe narcissist like Alex Jones, like just keep saying stupider thing after stupider thing. And and he's on YouTube and there's no arbiter there to say foul to call foul basically right mm-hmm. and then you get shit like pizzagate and then he has to apologize because you know some of those some you know some of the fans some of the marks fucking what is it they work themselves into a shoot <laughs> yeah exactly yeah right they 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 really start to believe this shit and they go and like try to shoot people out of fucking pizza place that has no basement underneath it that's holding children captive right is that what that was yes no that's what it was but it's but i think it's because the children were being kept under under the basement (laughs) but isn't that the same thing in a sporting event totally totally or just in sports in general you know in in a I, i find that really um like soccer is a really unique way that that arbiter gets i, I know that this happens probably in like basketball is similar uh, i just don't i don't know how to explain the, the technical aspects of fouls in basketball but in soccer you have a very simple um red or yellow and red card right and then you have this kind of this warning prior to the yellow card right mm-hmm. but um for people who have seen enough soccer games you know that there's a very clear um, 
under or, or hidden hidden rules to kind of how the card system works and when you can use the card. There's a there's a there's a tone and timing to using a yellow card to kind of give a warning to a player that really can have a profound effect on the outcome of the order and structure of that game, mm-hmm. right? So if if a ref pulls out a card too early, the yellow card too early, it can really screw with the dynamics of that interaction. Right. But sometimes a yellow card early can also signal like, hey, I'm in charge here. You know? Yeah. But it's so nuanced. Um, And then there's also like, there's the the human element. Some refs are more respected than others and they're able to command respect and control. That that probably starts prior to the game and there's a reputation that precedes them. There are all these other like hidden things that uh, play into that, the, the power that the arbiter has, right? Right. But, and then you've heard me say this before here um, at Grandstand, but, you know, a great ref, you know, when you don't notice the ref, that's because the, the, the arbiter has been effective and efficient in 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 uh in in mitigating those potential conflicts right or those disagreements between what this is what's fair and what's not or was that right or not right mm-hmm. but you know this is a, michael lewis the guy who who uh wrote moneyball and a bunch of other really cool books he has a podcast um uh, I forget the name of it. I'll look it up. But he de- he his. I don't know if the whole podcast deals with this, but the first season of his podcast dealt with the fact that the we've lost the referee in America. Mm. He's speaking metaphorically, of course, right? Mm-hmm. But he does give he use does use examples in sport. But I mean, is that is that what's is that what's like? gotten our culture war so out of control you know the lack of arbiters what if what if what's what if we what if we turn that on its head actually because mm-hmm. as you're talking to what i'm what it makes me realize is um or it makes me think about is how do you know when a referee is 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 doing an awesome job in my opinion yeah Oh, when you don't notice them. When you don't notice them, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, what if that? I wonder if that applies here, right? So, mm. so the problem is not that we've, even though we just said that earlier. And and, and who who said this? What podcast is this? Michael Lewis. Uh, Michael Lewis. Yeah, uh, um, I'll look up the name. Um, mm-hmm. what if it's that? It's not that we've lost the referees. That's that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, or at least, maybe, and maybe this is what he meant, but it's like mm-hmm. that we've lost faith in the referees. But a sign that a sign that we're in unstable times mm-hmm. is when the arbiters are so noticeable that we can't get away from. Um, the more that people know who the arbiters are and are constantly mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. them, and they're like, mm-hmm. that's the indicator that we're that we're in a problematic place, right? Like that's. Um, I wonder if that's like the case, right? The the, the most stable societies uh, that like are more that are operating in in more higher levels of of harmony. Maybe, maybe they're ones in which 
people aren't thinking about the arbiters all the time. They're just mm-hmm. they're just being. They're doing their thing without. And right now we're in this like trouble time in this very high this time of look great tension. And that's and everyone's looking for the art. Like that's we're all turning to. We've lost faith in the in the mainstream ones, and so now we're turning to every any you know whatever Joe Schmo can can tell us can give us the sense of order that we're that we want that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. So in in sports, if a if a ref is not doing their job <clears throat> correctly. I mean, never has a ref been more scrutinized um, in the history of sports. I don't think refs have ever been as tightly uh, scrutinized as they are now because of technology, the advent of the camera and to, and replay and 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 news feeds that go into review centers in New York. Right? Like, would you agree with that? Like, we've never a ref has never been so on the fucking spot. Than, than they are now, right? Yeah. So, and then there, and then now add that to add that you know the metrics and all the data that we can collect. We basically can pull a ref and say, "Look, you suck. You've 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 got fifty percent of your calls wrong, and there's a threshold for what we can tolerate for a professional NBA referee. And you're, you're you're fired, right? Mm-hmm. So there's someone to kind of oversee the arbiter, right? Mm-hmm. Um. How does that work in society? Who yeah. oversees the arbiter? I mean, and, and I wonder I, if you're, you know, saying that as you're thinking about, um, it's the same way, right? That the, our, our, um, the voices that we turn to for, for directions and instructions and for guidance and so on, um, are also, under more scrutiny than ever before and um and are being and and that's part of the that's the reason for the loss of faith because the we have these tools now um to scrutinize their performance more than ever before and so there's 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 a lot of opportunity that comes with that mm-hmm. um but as we're seeing like it's it, it has its it has its consequences as well it really muddles the idea of fairness, right? Right, because we're we're so e- we we've been so eager to get to the bottom of this fairness thing, right? And then in in doing so, we kind of open this Pandora's box of fucking insanity. Of fuck, we didn't think of that. We didn't think of that. We didn't think of that. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, without getting into instant replay or or just going down this whole ref thing, but I mean, when it's all said and done. We we've we've had decisions in sports where the ref makes makes a call based on what he's seen or she's seen in the camera, in the replay, you know, in the review, mm-hmm. and they still get it wrong based on popular conventional uh, wisdom or opinion, right? Right. We still say clearly that was a foul or clearly that was incorrect, right? Mm-hmm. We really have gotten nowhere in a way, in a sense. <laughs> Right. Right. As far yeah. as addressing the ultimate, like let's how can we make this fair? I mean, maybe we've maybe if you look if you look at the data, maybe we've we've gotten a, a, an overall percentage of calls correct have gone the right way, and we can see that there's kind of been some progress made. But we haven't really addressed the core issue, which is how do you make something 
100% fair, right? Yeah. 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 And and and, and I, but I think with sp- the the opportunity that sports gives us is there's less of a maybe but yeah, I feel like there's less there's more of a shared understanding of of what fair would look like mm-hmm. where what makes it difficult outside of the game and when applying it to just to society in general is is we have different camps have a completely different understanding of what fairness means and so we can't even we can't even if we can't even establish that then then in the end what we have is um it's it's like mexican it's like in mexican wrestling where you have a referee for the the arm the he 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 establishes fairness for the bad guys and then the referee does it for the good guys you know <laughs> um that's we basically that's who our arbiters have been our arbiters have been people trying to establish fairness in the image of the tribe that they represent uh or a form of fairness that like that uh, that appeals to one group um where the other group is going like Dude, that's not even it's not even fair. Like this is what fairness looks like, you know. And and if we were just chalk it down to like progressive and conservatives, like their version of fair what fairness and justice looks like is is completely different. And they want to they want to each establish their own referees to referee for it for the whole for the whole game. Hmm. So do we just get rid of referees? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Do we replace Supreme Court justices with like an algorithm with with technology in some way that come that spits out the the, the decision? I would take my chances with the jury of my peers and <laughs> with the Supreme Court than what I with a with a computer. Um. I think Michael Lewis did an episode on judges. It's called Against the Rules. It's really interesting. Hmm. But he does he does talk. I, I cannot forget. We talked about how I suck at synthesizing, and I can't remember half the shit I listened to. Mm-hmm. But I, I do know that in the moment, I'm like, fuck, this is amazing. You know, interesting. Yeah. Um, he does talk about judges, Supreme Court judges, and judges in general. But I'm not going to remember that right now. But So have we become too loose as a society? Do we need to return to some structure and order to regain some of that? Um, like we need a strong container to, you know, there's this, uh, there's this, this Franciscan thinker that I like to read and he's kind of controversial. He's kind of maybe new agey, but uh, Richard Rohr, he talks about like um, he, he he posted something. I read something that he somebody else said this, but basically it was you know you need a big ego to do away with the ego. Mm-hmm. Meaning like you need to have a strong sense of 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 what you are and who you are in order to do away with that thing that you're trying to uh-huh, uh-huh. get past, you know. And maybe have we as a society become. And I'm I'm, I'm going to start pontificating now, Professor. Are we just too fucking all over the place? Are we just, you know, 
anything goes, everything goes. There's no fucking structure. There's no arbiters. It's just like everyone's just running rampant. We've we've all turned to the descendants of uh, Montessori reality. Uh, we, you know, we can't just do whatever fuck we want, whenever we want, how we want, because it it's it's our prerogative and it's our right and our and our and our fundamental right as an individual. Have we misunderstood what that is? Are we just too fucking loose as a society? American society? I mean, I, I could see how you can take that take that line of thinking and um, and really make a good case for uh, for why Fascism. conservatism shouldn't. <laughs> shouldn't. Um, <laughs> Like, there, you can easily take that and 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 reword what you just asked to say. Like, have the progressives <laughs> just completely destabled, you know, all structure and um. You could make but, an argument for that. Of course, of course, definitely. Um, yeah, you can. I could see why those fools are so scared. Right. You know. Yeah. I don't blame them. Right. You know. Fuck. But. I mean, is it? Do we have a responsibility to return to that? So here now, I'm going to ask you, who? So who? If if there's an office in New York that oversees the the umpires in Major League Baseball, who gets to oversee the arbiters? That let's just suppose, for the sake of this argument, the arbiters are not there; they're gone. They're not. They're not stepping in. Who gets to speak up and say, "Hey, we need to really, we need to really take a look at this and and make sure we put some. We need to." redo the whole umping thing because it's fucking it's leading us down this rabbit hole of absurdity who gets to call that out well ideally it should be it should be us it should be the people um you know at the end like we're the we're the ones we're the ones playing in the game every day like we but we we don't have time for that but if we're you know we're we're busy with our lives and we're trying to deal with covid so like why don't we just outsource it to the intellectuals and have them say, like, write a letter or something and say, hey, what the fuck? We need, <laughs> we need to take a step back and calm the fuck down. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, if we if we still trust our Experts, so to speak. <laughs> experts, yeah, right. so to speak, right? The experts. Um, it, What's the it, Harper's letter, Professor? Um, there's a, a letter put together by... What I think it's would be safe to describe as centrist who lean liberal. Um, some even and some some of the people part of that letter would would lean right, but it was mostly centrist who lean liberal, who um, in the in the name of of freedom of speech and the importance of freedom of speech and the importance of what they call you know dialogue like we need to be able to discuss ideas and ideas we disagree with and so on um and this cancel culture thing that's that's um become become a phenomenon um we 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 need to acknowledge we need to address it and and stop it it's dangerous it's bad for it's bad for intellectual exchange and it's it's bad for society in general when people are can be canceled for having um, ideas that progressivism at its most extreme end disagree with, right? So the, the people we call the, what's been colloquial called the woke. Um, 
And so really the letter was centrist saying the the extreme left is getting out of control and is starting to have more influence on the game and on culture um, than we feel comfortable with. And we need to bring things back to the middle. That's, um, yeah, would you say that summarizes it? Yes, and that offends people in the trenches on the left that are doing some 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 radical work to change a lot of these fucking historical fucking uh, what, how would you describe uh, just basically there's a lot of people doing a lot of work to try to reverse the the effects of racism and oppression mm-hmm. unfair right? they're, they're they're trying unfairness. to unfairness make the, make the game more fair which I could safe to assume neither I nor nor you agree with or neither have a problem with that, right? No, no. Or obviously, and, and neither we stand do behind the, it, right? Neither, neither do those do people the, in the letter, right? The letter people. That's their whole thing is, hey, we all want the same thing. We all want fairness too. Um, we don't agree with your strategy for bringing about fairness. And we don't agree with – oh, going back to what I was saying earlier. We don't agree with your vision of fairness. Um and and being centrist and being more, I think when you're a centrist, you're a little bit more. You still have a little bit more trust and faith in institutions. Um, their whole thing is, look, the game. The game is works fine. Like we can keep playing the game. Um, do you hear that behind me? Yo, what is that? You, looks like you're putting up drywall or something. <laughs> hold, hold on, hold on, one second. Okay, sorry. Okay. Um. Was Whitney putting up drywall? No, the cat was. was. Oh, nice. But now back to back to uh-huh. more, more important uh-huh. things uh-huh. Um, than a cat's life. Um, <laughs> centrist, centrist trust. They still, um, they still trust, trust the, process. the process of the game, and they still trust. They still um, believe in the game and the way that it's played, to where. Um, to where the progressives, they're, what they're suggesting is like this game is inherently flawed, and there's no way we cannot reach true fairness. We can't just keep replacing umpires. It's not the mm-hmm. umpires are not the problem. It's mm-hmm. it's it's the entire mm-hmm. structure of the game that needs to be mm-hmm. fundamentally changed, mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah, and so the centrists are like. Like no, dude, we don't want to do all that. Let's keep the game going, and let's just yeah, like let's let's just find better ways of um, um, let's find better ways of recruiting better umpires. Let's train umpires better. Hmm. I read this uh, piece in the New York Times a few weeks ago about. Uh, just made me think of this, and it was a group of black musicians that were all in the classical music community. Classical, they were all classical musicians. Is that the correct way of saying it? Yeah, jazz music. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. you're right. Um, I, th- I, I think I don't know. I think I've never heard that. Be- I've never said that before. It's the first time in my life that I put those two words together. But anyways, um, they so. Back in the day, in the I want to say like the seventies or eighties, as kind of part of this affirmative action movement, uh, 
orchestras or symphonies uh, started to have blind auditions. So basically, you, as a musician, when you'd come to audition for the New York Philharmonic, you would uh, play behind a curtain, right? Mm -hmm. uh, prior to that, they weren't that way, and, and it was very easy to, you know, very easy to, to, um, to you know, if you're related to somebody or if you knew the person or basically it was easy, easier for, for like, for the same people to get into the New York Philharmonic, which is usually white men. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and when the curtain went up, you know, uh, there was an immediate increase in women in orchestras. Right. Like all of a sudden you started to get more diversity, uh, of sexes, but necessarily not races. Right. Um, and then, and then, um, and then that kind of evolved. But now the, some of these musicians were arguing that what we need to do is, is fucking bring that curtain back down. Because when you get to that level of musicianship of, of craft, uh, basically the difference between one and the other is, is unnoticeable. Okay. And the best way I could think of it, you know, when you get an eye exam and they flip that little thing, it's like, is it better with one or is it better with two? Is it better with one? You're like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know. You know, when you get yeah. an eye exam, you're like, shit, it's the can't, same. You can't see any of them. No, you just pick one. I'm like, yeah. the first one. I'm like, fuck, I hope I picked right. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that's cool, basically. I'm not the only what? That's, I'm, I'm, that's good to know, to hear that yeah. I'm not the only yeah. one who. Yeah, okay. I, I'm pretty sure I have a bad prescription because I'm just guessing. Yeah. No, um you know, and that's kind of what I think. The, that's what I like in like in that idea of like when when you get to that place when you, when musicians get to that point where you play in the New York Philharmonic, there's basically very subtle differences, and it's kind of really like an arbitrary choice. So if it's already an arbitrary choice, why not put more black musicians on the on the? Why don't you just consciously choose to put more black musicians on there, right? Mm. And now you're gonna have like the, you know. You're going to have – there's going to be a backlash in the other direction because people are going to be like, what the fuck? You know, that guy just got picked because he was black, right? But at the same time, that's kind of how you encourage more people to see themselves reflected in the, you know, in the orchestra, in the symphony, right? Um, and, and and it kind of opens up you – know, anyways, the whole purpose of – the whole point of why – when I read that, I was like, fuck this, you know? Hmm. Um, this is bullshit. You know, like, are you fucking kidding me? And then, like, I'm like, you're just going to have the same problem again. Eventually, like, white people are going to get a hold of this. They're going to find a way to block black people out of this. Or there's going to be a black musician on there. And someone's going to be really upset. But you know, I was really enraged by it, you know. Uh, not enraged. I just had a reaction to it. But, you know, I, you know, being, being that it is such a thing that I care so much about, I was like, well, as you go, as I went deeper into it and you, there's little tiny profiles of all the musicians and they're kind of giving their background and their relationship to musical, you realize how quickly it took me like five minutes after I was outraged to be like, oh, this is way more nuanced than I understand it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you could make an argument for saying, you know what, pull the curtain down and just put more brown people in the damn orchestra. And that's how you get more brown people to participate. Because if you don't see yourself reflected in the orchestra, and if all the musicians are more or less the same, what are you really gaining by having the curtain up? 
you know? And you probably stand to gain more by including more people of different colors, you know, of different races and backgrounds. And and then you, and then the argument of like, well, maybe there's not enough black kids going into playing classical music. Well, the the truth is there are a lot of black kids and brown kids that are playing classical music, right? But then they go in different directions, maybe possibly because they don't see themselves reflected in the you know the New York Philharmonic has one black guy in it, you know. Yeah. That's fucking crazy if you think about it, you know. Um, so the whole point of what I'm saying is like it's super nuanced, dude. And is that what's lacking from the conversation? And was that what the was that what the Harper's letter was trying to say? Like, can we take a step back and have a? Is it is it about like you said they trust the process and that's what the backlash against them is? But then could we also add to it that we don't have nuanced conversation about those little tiny details? Yeah, no, totally. Make I mean, it so complicated to just make these. Like, I, I had a visceral reaction, and then immediately, like two minutes, five minutes later, I'm like, "Shut up, dude! You don't know what the fuck you you know. You need to really go deeper into this." And as I go deeper into it, I, I don't know how I feel. You know what I'm saying? But I do tend to lean more towards like, you know what? Let's bring the curtain down. As weird as that sounds, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that wasn't my initial reaction, right? Yeah, but as I got more information, even but but still, it's like so. I'm like, fuck. I just this is a hard one, right? It's not as simple as just saying no or yes or I agree or I disagree. Is that what the Harper's letter was alluding to as well? Yeah, kind of. Like because when when describing it earlier, it was I described it more as this. Um, it was this this resistance to the rise of of extreme left politics and strategy and activism um which it is that like it's that's at least that's what it to me what it in essence what it is um but but what it also what it more explicitly is in the way they describe what their their issue is just the fact that um is to to what you're saying like Hey, we maybe don't agree with we don't agree with uh we don't know how we feel about this approach for say let's say um abolish the police or something, right? right. Um let's talk about it. Right? Mm-hmm. And and what their what what their their grievance is that um activism at the extreme ends um, on both sides of the extreme ends, but they're not really concerned with right-wing extremism like that's already been established by them as like of course we all disagree with that um mm-hmm. they it's it's they're they're really speaking to to the activism um on the left side and, and what they're saying is um it is not it is not productive and it's not healthy that a person can't come out a journalist an academic a public voice can't come out and say, um, I disagree with this position on the police, or I disagree with your position on race or on gender, um, et cetera. Um, and then instantly the reaction is, well, then you need to get the fuck out of here. Um, they're saying like, let's, let's talk. Um, but it is tough because from, from the position of the activists, 
their response to that is, oh, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, you, mm-hmm. that's what you fools always want to do. You always just want to talk. We're, we're done. We're done with that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's time to, it's, it, it's, it's time to disrupt shit. It's time to change this shit because your, uh, your plea for let's, let's think about this, let's slow down, let's, all that is just your, it's going back to like, you just want to replace the umpire with another umpire. And what mm-hmm. we're saying is this game will never work if we continue to, like, we need to get rid of the umpire altogether. Um, we need to complete, like, uh, <laughs> we, we need to come, we need to get rid of scoring in the game. That's the problem <laughs> with the game. There shouldn't be winners or losers, right? Like this, it's like that type of like, we're, we're radicals. So that's why they call uh-huh. us radicals. That's what we want to do. And we don't want to talk about it with you anymore. And if you're not with us, then, then you're on the other side, which, you know, the classic, which side are you on? It gets to that point of you're either on our side or you're not and 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 your whole you know uh plea for like hey i'm on your side but let's think about this more <laughs> no this we're we're done so that's you know my version of trying to explain it from um to to which the centrists would probably counter yes uh i agree with some of the Radical. I agree with some elements of your radical approach, but you risk not having a game altogether if we go deep. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. And and, and I think, but I and I think what the the Harper's letter people, what they were more, um, what they didn't say outright. More, it was really just was that like it was really more just like, look, we just. Um, we have we actually have a fundamental difference in ideas right and so so the same way that there's this like this progressivism versus conservative battle there is equally as much a centrist centrists are are just as much another another camp in the game another tribe in the game um who who um who have their their vision for you know for how the game should be played and so um, I think, and then, you know, we're, we're approaching that, that, I mean, it's always existed, but we're, it seems like it, it feels more intense now, uh, this entering this time, especially if we, if we have this extreme, um, you know, if an economic depression really, really develops, it's, it's going to get more and more to that point of people, you, me, and people having to really decide which side are we on. What tribe? What tribe are we really are we really mm-hmm. going to play for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and I think I think it gets back to this idea of fairness and how difficult it is to truly, you know, leave the curtain up or you bring it down, you know, mm-hmm. and how, you know, some some as you regulate it and enforce it and alter it and change it and modify it as you get <laughs> as you get. Uh, Fairness for some group, another group might be left out of the equation, an, an unintended uh, casualty of that. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. So where we could have potentially maybe more brown men on orchestras, maybe we now have less women in orchestras. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I mean, it's, a, it's that's probably 
not the case. I'm just using that as an example. But you know no, what I'm saying? No, it's, it's, like, it's. I mean, just look at the look at the the situation the the Yale lawsuit that just right, right got rolled right. on, right. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's just going to be something we're going to have to deal with for a long time. You know, uh, as we try to, you know, try to understand how fairness works, uh, but. It is muddy and murky, and and I I think it's impossible to think that once we get past this part, we're going to arrive at some truth. And that's the, for me, uh, that's the fear that I have of when radicals envision this reality where we're going to make this better. And I'm thinking, okay, but then, (laughs) you know, maybe I'm thinking too capitalistic, but somebody's going to get left out. You know what I'm saying? And even if we reimagine and we re-envision your world in the way that you want it, you know, who's going to look out for the rights of the minority that just don't want to embrace that life, that way of dealing with reality, you know? The same way you don't want a capitalist to stake, there there are going to be some people that are, you know, after the Cuban Revolution that were selling oranges, you know, Mm -hmm. who were still kind of had that market mentality, right? So, you know, it's... um, Sometimes the, the you know this this is like political science one hundred and one that you learn when you study like the United States Constitution is you know the right the, the the number one role of the majority is to protect the rights of the minority. You know you have a sense of duty to do that mm-hmm. because because the next election you will be you could potentially be on the other side so you need to like think think in 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 those terms you need to constantly be in that state like you know what about my brother and sister who like don't this is not their time this is not you know (laughs) not their type of party how do i make them feel included or not forget about them you know what i'm saying um have we lost sight of that is that something that is part of the political narrative now yeah we and we we always do when we when we commit the problem of dehumanizing people for for whether it be because of their because of physical you know their race their ethnicity their religion we we see this time and time again um and 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 that's in this and i guess you know that's to at least give benefit to the harper's letter um um that's also kind of what they're what they're warning against is saying we don't want to get to a point where um where we scapegoat and we 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 shame um, certain groups of people um, for their political views or even if it's for their ideas, like it's it's it it gets to the point where 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 we dehumanize them and 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 let's say like are we is some of the resistance from folks let's say the white men who feel threatened conservative mm-hmm. white men republican white men mm-hmm. is part of the 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 acting out that's happening like and in a form of acting out is like voting for trump is not mm-hmm. was refusing to wear the mask right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how much of that is 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 a response to this feeling of um i feel like like you guys don't see us as like human beings anymore you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, there's, there mm-hmm. is, there is kind of this dehumanizing element to like, mm-hmm. oh, he's just a fucking white guy. Fuck those, you know, 
Because it's so much easier fucking to to just fucking, you know, ignore them or not count them, right? Yeah, and 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 you know, even if you look at it as like, well, there's, you know, you there's the power dynamic and that's why there's you know, you, and I mean, like when you, when you're not human, when 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 somebody like the moment like something becomes humanized. I mean, I bet you could humanize Trump, and on some level, there'd be a part of me that'd be like, oh, uh, maybe I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But, totally. Look at his uh, his relationship with his grandkids. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, no. But it, it's just easier, right? When we when we don't have to humanize the other, and we're just like, fuck it. It's just some white guy. It's yeah, but it's easy because if 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 it's a movement and we're trying to you know there, there's there's very concrete goals we're trying to achieve in in changing power structures. Um, it's it's easy to it makes it easier to just point out who's the enemy and an easy way to you know to to um, an easy way to rationalize and justify. Um, their their grievances. How does that play out in the grandstand? Yeah, that's a great. Um, I think that's my favorite part about grandstanding. It's a great question. Is is am I am I participating in in exercising and exorcising this out of me? This the competition. The, the the theatrics of hating the other for no other reason that they're the other, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a it's a great way to play out that drama. But as you get deeper into it, you know, there, I have I've had genuine hate for the other at, in during games. You know what I'm saying? For no other reason that they're the other, right? Mm-hmm. Viscerally, like mm-hmm. emotionally, intellectually. When I'm confronted with a Dodger fan who's sitting two rows across and he immediately or she immediately humanizes themselves by making a joke or or just like acknowledging that they're another human and you give them a high five and you say, hey, we're just having a good time. The moment that Dodger fan becomes humanized, I realize how ridiculous I'm being, you know? Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite experience about grandstanding is that, is when I'm forced to see the other human in that, in that other, you know, because they smiled or because they're just kind people that are having a good time. And I'm here in my like hate filled, like reality. I fucking hate the Dodgers right now. They're beating us, you know, and I hate their fucking fans. They're the worst people, you know? And then like, and then, you know, the fucking OG, the OG, like, uh, you know, LA Mexican or LA fucking classic surfer guy or whatever rolls up and like, you know, says what's up or something and then you're like fuck <laughs> you know yeah yeah no to- totally totally that's you know um it, it, gets we- me thinking how stupid i am for thinking that the other is so fucking so different than me you're like no they're not <laughs> right yeah i mean and and i think part of it is also you, you said something earlier about um, um, this this lack of of remembering that you know this if if you want if you if you commit radical cha- I'm trying to remember exactly how you said it but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know if you want radical change like there are going to be 
um, there's consequences to it, and, <laughs> and you know, mm-hmm. but but in the end, like in the end, the show goes on, mm-hmm. right? Even even if it's mm-hmm. if it's if it's very significant change that happens and that has real life um, dramatic impact. Um, I don't know. May- maybe it's also helpful to to always remember that that the that the game it goes on, and so it's just a matter of a um, like an empire or like a, say a sports dynasty. The sports dynasty goes up and it goes down. It goes through the rebuild phase, mm-hmm. and then it you know it, it it ebbs and it flows, and 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 maybe if we don't put s- we're investing so much in thinking if if people from that team from that camp from that tribe are able to get their way it's going to destroy everything <laughs> right yeah. and it's maybe not so, like it's true that there there may there will be real consequences but it's like all right well let's let's play under their rules let's see let's let's see how it goes <laughs> and and if it's 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 inevitable that eventually they're going to get replaced too you know and it's and we're just going to keep going and going the dynasty will go up it'll go down we'll we'll have years of prosperity we're lot, winning lots of championships and then we'll have years of misery it sucks for who has to live during the the miserable times and so on but like but the game will go on sound like a centrist <laughs> I mean, I am wearing a, a shirt that says "Back to Back World War Champs" with a U.S. <laughs> flag. I love that shirt, or a shirt that says. I got into an argument once with member Jason, mm-hmm. Jason Cram. Yeah, he said he wanted to get a tattoo that said "American" on the back. This is like 15 years ago that we had this conversation, and I said, "Well, that might give off." You know, might give the wrong impression. Jason, you know, I, I understood, I understood, or at least I think, thought I understood Jason's politics and kind of where he was coming from. And I thought he was doing it straight because he's very proud to be an American. But, you know, uh, and I thought maybe there are some loose ends into that that might be misinterpreted. And I, and I argued with him and, and isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a tattoo that says I'm Mexican on my, on my right my right uh shoulder and no one would ever interpret that as me being a nationalistic prick they just interpret it as some 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 stupid you know yeah something about american or back-to-back champions or or running the world since 1776 you know well because because there's this there's a it's one thing to have pride when Mm -hmm. you're when you're an up-and-coming group Right. It's another thing to have pride when you're the dominant group. You know, it 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 plays out different. It it's it's it feels different. It's it's going to be received different. It's nuanced, right? <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, difficult. It's complicated. But let me. But I gotta like. Did he want to have it like the way like where you would put your last name on a jersey? Yeah. Like, a, like that. Yeah. It would be like his yeah. last. His like his last name is American. Yeah. American and then American and then number 69. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I, I, again, it's been a long time since I've talked to Jason. So um, if he ever listened to this, I just want to make sure I clear this up that I, I, I knew exactly where he was coming from, you know, that he really is truly proud of being an American. And there's a part of me that really is too, 
you know, I think there's some cool things about this country that I'm really proud of, you know, but I, I, I think I kind of ignorantly like, or maybe, um, there's some contradiction to what I'm saying. I, I just would never display it that way because it would give off the bat. It would give to me, it's like wearing that back to back world war two champions or wearing running the world since 1776. You know, I want to have a much more uh, subdued way of saying that if I wanted to, that's one. Number two, I, like you said, uh, as part of the dominant group, I don't want to offend anyone, you know, like there's no need to talk about something that, you know, maybe is going to be offensive to someone. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, why, 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 why is pride, um, pride in being American, pride in being part of that? Like, cause there is a dominance to, to that. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that so much more of a conservative thing? I don't know. And that's, I struggle with that because I think there's a, there's a danger and also like censoring yourself and not being proud sometimes of the culture and the country that you come from, you know, like, I mean, think about like shit that America has contributed to the world outside of, you know, I mean, outside of fucking imperialism and like, rampant fucking turbocharged steroids capitalism but i mean musically like sport culturally there's been some really amazing contributions that i would i would be really fuck i'm proud of you know what i'm saying of course why can't you say like i mean could you could you do like proud to be american with like a little asterisk or a caveat with a caveat That's what makes it so stupid, right? Is that the other people are like, for me at least, that's what makes it so stupid to be like, what the fuck? Why are you so proud of being an American? I'm like, and then you think about it, you're like, fuck. I mean, jazz music. I mean, granted, it was made by black people. um, So maybe they would have something different to say about whether we can claim that as Americans. But we can because it came from here, you know? It came from the American experience. Um baseball contributions to like medicine or academics or whatever ideas you know wwf wwf totally yeah 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 yeah. and 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 even the more you know um this the this kind of ethos of like individual liberties and things like that you know correct um yeah. yeah Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, but I think, but that's what makes people, that's what makes people like an Obama effective, but also complicated, you know, because he's, um, in some, you could, you could look at someone like him and, and he's, he, he can show people, Hey, you can be, you don't have to be a conservative to have a, a loyal love, a deep love for, for being an American and loving your country. Like that fool's always repping about how much he he loves everything that you know he's he's as as patriotic as they come um at the same time you could look at that and go and that's why and that's why like more extreme progressives fucking hate him Mm -hmm. not because that specifically but it, it 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 goes it's it's part of like it's representative of 
of it's symbolic of like what he represents. And yet, and yet, I don't think he's that. In a in a really strange way, he's not that polarizing of a figure either. You know. Yeah, I I don't think so, man. But but I guess from both ends, right? From both extreme ends, boy, is he despised. I mean, I think the fact that he's black really fucking throws a wrench into the whole thing, right? Yeah. For, for all sure. those fucking for all those latent fucking races. Um, hmm. He he is the he is again. It's like this this you know instead of thinking of of the the culture war battle as one between left and right or you know you know do we need to reframe it into it's a three way battle and it's and it's the left and it's the right and it's the centrist and it's the Obama like Obama would have signed that Harper's letter. Um, so so it was like you said. I think that was really well put. You, you, it was a call to arms from the from the moderates, right? From the centri- from the centrist. That That's letter what it read like to me, yeah. And then the coincidence uh, of it being released three days after Obama made his uh, um, Obama calls it call out culture, which apparently is not as as cool and woke as saying cancel culture, mm-hmm. right? Um, I like call out culture better, actually. Um, but cancel culture, political correctness, those are really loaded terms, right? Yeah. That mean a lot of different things to different people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, depending on... on um, yeah, when people are arguing about it, I think, yeah, that's important is to establish, wait, what does... What is, what is your understanding of what cancel culture is? Because, yeah, it does... It varies. So... Call to arms, you go there, um, but all this is being had like uh, on like social media and over Twitter. These conversations, right? Yes, that's the other part, dude. It's like you know, yeah. Um, and and as 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 a as this guy that I was telling you earlier, um, I'll probably butcher his name, but his name is uh, Dijon. Um, I'll look. I'll find his name. But this guy, he says some really cool things. But you know, he he says like you know, you know, it, 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 Twitter is like not interested in in, in declarations of truth, right? Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's a it's a it's it, it rarely rarely do you engage in in, in Twitter and have like a, a like a really substantial conversation over twitter right it's just like these sound bites and and kind of like these 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 uh you know you have to be as productive as possible with the characters available to you and then make it appealing and then people just keep sharing it and it just keeps growing and growing and growing and it's it's about hitting, it's about getting likes and and getting views and stuff but it's really not about having a substantive conversation right mm-hmm. no yeah it's 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 been twitter has been toxic in in that sense So, um, for for as much as it's helped to spark revolutions and and be a call to arms to people on both the left and right, it also has kind of like added to the fucking insanity mm-hmm. by it being just a very topical, surface level conversation on these really fucking 
deep complex ideas such as like what is cancel culture and what is political correctness when we talk about those things or argue about those things what specifically are we talking about can you think of an example of how these terms are are you know like say cancel culture what it means to one group or to another and how they use it against each other yeah because i think so some just see cancel culture as um it's it's just a it's nothing new, um, mm-hmm. or rather, let, let's start with the. So, in, in one sense, you could see cancel culture as as it's this, it's people shutting down views they disagree with, um, uh-huh. and 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 moreover than shutting down, like going as far as trying to like eliminate people from, not just even from the discourse, but just from like existing almost in, in the sense that, you know, this person has a view I disagree with and me and a a group of people are going to see to it that their employer fires them like that. Um, Another way to look at it is cancel culture is just um, fools getting called out um, for having bad ideas, for having unhealthy, having ideas that hurt, the health of our community. And so why wouldn't we want to eliminate that? Mm-hmm. And, and it's nothing, it's just, it's, it's nothing new. We've all, humans have always um, called out bad ide- ideas that are, and I guess it's, it's this difference between, to some, it's you're calling out ideas that you disagree with which is very different from calling out bad ideas. Who are you? You don't get to be the arbiter of what a good or bad idea is. But there's a danger in that because we don't look at the context under which some of those things are said, uttered, or committed under, you know? The conditions that led to that video or to that. I'm not talking about police brutality, you know? I'm talking about people who fucking get shamed on the internet for not wearing a mask or, you know, or for just being stupid and, you know, um, you know, certain things are, you know, racism is racism, like fucking, you know, sexism is sexism, you know, being, being a fucking social deviant and not, not following kind of like the, 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 the rules of civility and, and kindness and, and, but at the same time, like we don't, we just see the ten or five minutes of something. We don't know what happened before and what happened after, right? Mm-hmm. So this guy, yeah, this guy Zijan Alim is like a guy who saw that video, a video of the Costco guy, and then he he got into this whole Twitter war with the guy who basically some right wing. What's what's a right wing? I, I, I don't, I'm so disconnected from like internet culture uh, professor, but some right wing group or influencer picked up this conversation that he had had with the guy who was gunning for the mark, this guy. So the, there's a guy in this video who is asked to wear a mask as he walks from the Costco. Um, they, the, the employee tells him, fucking put a mask on. And this guy loses his shit. He's wearing that, a shirt, a red shirt that says, 
running the world since 1776. So immediately we have this like guttural <laughs> visceral reaction to it. And then the fucking everyone's like, this guy's a dick. Fuck this guy. And then there's this guy on there uh, or a guy in, 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 in social media reality who gets really upset and he fucking like basically gets this guy fired. This guy gets fired. The company comes and says, "Fuck, we don't we don't approve of this. We don't approve of this jackass type behavior." This guy loses his fucking job. Um, this guy uh, Zijan Alim writes this this he he tweets a thing like basically saying like, "Dude, this is like basically what I just said right now." He's like saying like, "Dude, we don't know what the fuck happened. Like, what's going on? Can we have a conversation?" Basically, mm-hmm. right? And he he tweets it at this guy who the the the, the the, the 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 guy who was basically responsible for getting the 1776 guy fired and it kind of that kind of dies but that conversation gets picked up by a right-wing influencer i don't know has a show a podcast i don't fucking know but that guy tweets it to the right wing and the right wing uses that as like fucking ammunition to push their own racist fucking narcissistic closed off agenda you know and then this guy gets like kind of put in the middle of it, and it 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 just gets fucking out of control, right? Because this guy's like, dude, this is fucking bullshit. We're making a judgment, and this guy's like going on. He goes on and he writes, he writes about saying like, look, like this guy lost his job. Are we gonna fucking go after people's jobs? Like right now, it's like a, it's we're living in this. He calls it a, a anarcho-capitalist dystopia, and here we have. People were going after people's jobs. This is like a horrible thing to do to a person because of fucking five minutes where they lost their shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And we've already formed these judgments against these, you know. You know, it's like that picture I was telling you, that Plesak kid, Zach Plesak, who fucking went on a rant on Twitter because he was upset that the MLB's fucking COVID uh, uh, social distancing policies. And, and then everybody went after him. And I'm like, the guy's 20. He's fucking, he's 20. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think his frontal lobe is fully developed yet. You know? Um, how are we expecting... Why are we so harsh with them? I think the guy's getting traded now. You know? Um, and then I want to get to... I want to I want to close off with... Or, or last last part here. Can you talk about your, uh, your experiment that you want to do? Um, your COVID experiment in your community, Professor? Your observations? Yeah, well, I, it's not one. I, it's, um, it's. I would love <laughs> I to do it. It's not, um, no, you would love to do it. I'm sorry, uh, meaning it, it just as a hypothetical, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a hypothetical uh, thought yeah. experiment. But but before that, I mean, what do you what do you make of shit like that? Do you agree? I mean, how do we even have a conversation? Where can we have a conversation? Or, or am I just being a, a moderate now? Am I? <laughs> am I? Am I am I am I being a punk ass bitch for fucking like saying no? Hold on, hold on. This will get better. Just sit tight. You know, right? That's kind of where I sit. And and um, yeah. I, I, I going back to what we started at the very beginning of this when we were talking about complying right to the rules. Um, I think it's a lot easier to be a moderate when when you're when you're living okay under the system, right? There's less yeah. of an urgency to um to dismantle it. Um even when you recognize, you know, the some of the ideals behind why, you know, why you why people why you would want to. 
Because there's a temptation to think that you earned it somehow. Even though maybe it's never admitted, you know? That you've earned, like, like where you're at? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I earned this. I worked really hard for it. Like, eh, well, it was a series of very fortunate events that led me to this place, you know? Right. Oh, totally. And, but, but I think even if even if you don't even if you totally recognize you didn't completely earn it on your own, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's mm-hmm. even then it's just it's just the point of well, like life is comfortable for me. Um and and like we said earlier, if if we really move forward with with some with extreme changes, um, and sometimes that's what needs to happen to really, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, something that, but it's, but it's changes that are going to benefit our children, our grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of us, part of that transition period, part of that rebuild, it's a lot of our comforts <laughs> are going to be gone. And so that's like, even, you know, I think of course those are, that plays into a part as to why some people, are quicker to believe in the system, are more committed to it and to preserving it and to just tinkering with it and incremental change um, rather than, you know, and not seeing the system as broken. Um, so it's like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah. If it's, if it's not broken, don't, don't fix it. Uh, or at least let's, we don't need to drastically fix it. You know, we just need right. to make a little, put a little tape here, a little tape there. And, um, <laughs> but well, because I think that that's at the core of me saying, like, what? Just hold on. Sit tight. Trust the process. You know, it's like, because I don't want to lose the comforts that I have. I mean, I don't know how often I admit it to myself, but that's at the core, right? It's like, well, if this shit goes down, if this sh- the shit house falls down, there goes my fucking case of wine. and my. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that that's across the board in many ways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we but you, but, but, but you know what's what's funny about that is is also like now is it just think it, it does remind me of um, this idea um, this concept called luxury beliefs mm-hmm. because as we say this, I guess we're forgetting the fact also that uh, many of the people on the front lines of radical change are in positions of privilege themselves, right? And so. Right. Um, and so why is it that they don't have that same fear of, you know, and, and it could be because maybe they don't, they don't believe that it's going to be a, a, a nasty rebuild period. They really do believe that, you know, the transition, um, they have a more optimistic view of what the transition will be like. But then there's also this, this element of luxury beliefs, which is, which means a lot of times at the very least people who support certain ideas um they're able to support those ideas because it has no real bearing on them and and so it's 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 something that it's a concept that's applied to like the upper middle class and the upper middle class who says say for example like an example of this would be an upper middle class white suburban person who supports abolishing the police because mm-hmm. it's kind of you know it's it's an idea that's popular right now, and that um, the the uh, the some would say, of course you you support it because <laughs> because you have no skin in that game. Like you right. you don't realize that if that really happens, 
you're not going to be the one impacted by it, by, by the right. potential consequences of it. So mm-hmm. it's a luxury belief. You're just mm-hmm. it's a belief you have for you to grandstand and for mm-hmm. you to uh, virtue signal and let fools mm-hmm. know, um, you know, I'm I'm part of I'm part of the dominant culture, mm-hmm. you know, um, and there's like certain beliefs that you're supposed to have to be part of that team, you know, um, and so. So there is that too. So I guess it's not even um, those those of us who who have comforts within the current system um, um, still advocate for dismantling it. Is that because those people haven't seen the uh, Godfather? <laughs> well, dude, oh, what a great, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or they, or what's that? I've said it <laughs> Dude, before. That's Mao Zedong said, <laughs> the revolution is not a dinner party. Right. Right. Yeah. I have to say, without calling out any of my radical friends, but I have to say that as different things have hit the, the shit fan, I don't know if I'm just kind of, this is, this is my own, um, my own, uh, my own deluded view of it, but I feel like the people that have hard, different people have had dif- difficult time with, with the, with the, with the COVID reality. But I feel like some of my, my more radical friends have had a harder time with it because of this, um, this luxury, what do you call it? Luxury beliefs. Mm-hmm. Having a harder time in the sense that like the, 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 the injustice done upon them because, uh, their unemployment check didn't come through in, t- in a timely manner. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the kind of shit that's going to happen if we restructure the whole fucking thing and not your unemployment check not coming. Just like you're going to have to fucking probably eat, you know, roots and weeds for a fucking while. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to have to wipe your ass with your hand. You know what I'm saying? And you might not be able to wash your clothes, you know? Um, you might not have internet connection. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I found my radical friends to be affected by it on both ends of the spectrum. And then also kind of my friends who are already were used to having a reality where everything kind of functions and it's catered to them, meaning my more affluent friends who have a, who live in a different income bracket. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's because they haven't seen the Godfather, those damn radicals. They don't see that when the five families go to war, it gets nasty. It gets nasty. Dude. Um, you know? That's another thing that everything in life can be reduced to being explained by the Godfather. Um, That's so true. But, you know, and and I thought it was interesting, too, that, like, uh, minorities, brown people. And when I say brown people, is it understood that I'm talking about who I'm talking about? Or does that just trigger one one image or idea in people's minds? What what are your thoughts on that real quick? Uh, Am I I talking only about black and brown people? Yeah, I, th- I think brown people's. I've always thought that was an interest. That's an interesting uh, umbrella term, because we're basically. I mean, by brown, so there's black, mm-hmm. there's white, and then there's brown. Mm-hmm. So brown encompasses everyone from mm-hmm. Latin America to Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I mean that that's when I think of brown people. I basically think everyone who's not white or black. So there, so there, we covered all mm-hmm. three. We we covered the whole. <laughs> the whole uh you know all the categories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which by the way brown is now being capitalized 
by the major outlets. Did you notice that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. A uh, long, long time ago, I read a book by Richard Rodriguez. Um, he's a he's a, a writer, kind of controversial in his circles, uh, and he talks about the culture of Brown. Um, long, long time ago. Uh, really interesting. And he kind of sets it against the backdrop of Richard Nixon and kind of the race wars that were happening already back then and how uh, he he's, he's Latino, uh, Latinx. Um, but he, uh, he speaks, uh, he speaks uh, within the context of that experience and how, how, how like the, the changing of Latinx people going from Brown or Hispanic to Latino to back to Hispanic, back to being white. Then we weren't white. Then we're white again, you know? I know. It's so fluid. Um, but when he says brown, or when you say brown, are you, are you just thinking uh, uh, Hispanic people, Latin people? Or in general, you... yeah. When he, yeah he, he, But he talks about brown. It's called Brown, the Last Discovery of America. It's pretty cool. Uh, he's talk. Obviously, he's Hispanic, and he's speaking from a very, like, very specific. But he, he's kind of saying, like, it's like the, the, the muddling of, basically, it's the, the moving away from whiteness to something different. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, from, from that white conception of American experience to like, we're, we're all kind of turning, you know, we're all falling into the melting pot kind the, of thing. The browning, the browning of America. Basically. Or the Beijing. Beijing. There you go. Um, and then if you want to get really deep into it, you have to read the cosmic race. My West Coast. Oh yeah. 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 But I feel, but, but man, just good. But for, for another day, I would say yes. a- Asians throw such a wrench to so many narratives. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, we'll have to talk about that some other day. Yeah. Uh, but but again, uh, the, the whole fucking purpose. The, the, I just wanted to share this little tidbit because I, I'm just really curious to hear what you want to what you have to say about this, and then I want to segue over to your to your thought experiment. Um, but the how. Brown, maybe let's just say people in a different social class or, or income cl- or class, um, how they their reactions to kind of the the disruption of the COVID crisis in their lives, and how uh, brown people had a much more um, like less indignant about all the all the 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 removal of freedoms and the lack of trust in in government and the experts and authority, you know, it's like, it's like when this all happened and, and maybe the more affluent, uh, maybe more white, uh, society was saying like, what the fuck? This is so fucking unfair. It's messed up. Nobody knows what's happening. I can't get any answers. You know, I can't, I, and my law, I'm losing my freedoms and brown people are going like, yeah, okay. Um, welcome to our fucking reality. You know what I'm saying? Um, I thought that was really beautiful. Um, there's actual data on well, what what if what if what if that's connected to um, cultures that are more family oriented and cultures that are more collectivist just have an easier time just going along with what you know this is how we're rolling. I like, would you know, say that's and as opposed to white culture, which is more individualistic. Mm-hmm. I would say that's probably a hundred percent right. Um helps to be quarantining with someone you like too 
Dude, you did not. We didn't that. We didn't mention that when we were talking no. earlier. That's a huge one. That's a huge one. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. might be the most important one. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. my god. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes that person might be yourself. Mm. <laughs> you know That's what I'm true. saying? That's true. If you don't like yourself, you're gonna have a hard time with this one. You know? Yeah. All the other. I'm talking like. Let's just talk about people like you and me that are in this very privileged position, right? Because we know that, like, domestic violence is through the fucking roof. And then not only is it through the roof, it's now it's being not even being reported anymore. So there's, like, think about all the children and the people in homes where people are being fucking having to deal with some oppressive son of a fucking bitch. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's – I'm, I'm speaking only, like, people in our in our little – subculture of people right right but if you don't like yourself this is a tough time to be with yourself <laughs> oh absolutely not to and, mention the people and, you live with and 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 the coping medicine is is the fucking is your screens and right. all the you know there's a lot of there's a lot of great that comes from from those screens but man it's so easy to Mm-hmm. To fall into the toxic uh, pockets and holes. Mm-hmm. And I think back to your collectivist argument, more family-oriented. If you grew up in a home with um, 14 other people in a two-bedroom apartment, sleeping on the floor, having to use the same bathroom, you acquire a certain level of comfort with that. But, you know, mm-hmm. you know you've, you've, you've heard my story about, like... Um, hanging out in, in in communist communes in San Francisco. And like have you have I told you that? No, I don't like, think so. Uh it's just like there were socialist communists, very radical people I was hanging out with for a while until I realized the absurdity for me, I'm not saying they were absurd, just for Jeez, me. Please dude, just just sign the Harper's letter already. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to. I am a fucking moderate. I do think we need to take a step back, but I also know that I'm like we said I'm I'm, I'm being a fucking punk bitch because maybe I'm I'm helping to propagate or to I'm helping to slow the shit down, you know. And as Nina Simone, she was like she grew impatient. She fucking wrote a song about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was basically like it was living in a community with people sharing resources, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were so proud of that. Yeah, all these intellectuals and people who came from privilege, most of them. Mm-hmm. And they were so pr- and I was proud of it. Look at me living this way, sharing cups with people that I'm not related to, you know? <laughs> and looking eating lentils every day cuz I can subsist. Anyways, it got to like day 4 and I'm like, mm, I've seen this before. I'm like, it's called poverty. <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> I've lived in that. I recognize sharing resources and eating beans and fucking eating out, drinking out of plastic cups and using the same shitter. I know this. And sleeping on the floor. Yeah, it's called poverty. I grew up in that. Um, immediately became a very suspect thing to me and I had to leave and not hang out with that because it was just, you know, in my, wor- in my view of it, it was a glorification of poverty. It wasn't what they were setting out to do, but that's what it that's what it seemed like. And I'm like, I'm not into this. Not this is not my thing, you know? Um when you're not given a choice about existing in that, it changes your relationship to it. Wouldn't you agree? 
Oh, 100%. I mean, that's that's the fundamental difference there is choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But see, but dude, but it's like, that is why, that's why this, this if we want to call it a battle, is so, is, is complicated and, and picking your position, which, mm-hmm. which, which tribe you're going to, you're going to fight with in that. Like when you say that as a uh, say, and you're saying it from a moderate position, mm-hmm. what you also potentially do is you you're also uh, you're also providing ammo to the people to the right side of you, of course, right? Who who go like, of yep, course. exactly. That's what we've been saying. Socialism <laughs> equals, you know, it just lowers the boat for everybody. Thank you, thank you for making our uh-huh. point. And then the leftists go, see. This is what we keep trying to tell you, moderate. You are just a, an extended arm of 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 you know right wing conservatism, which which deep down inside you're against. And so, why are you helping them? Help us, you know, um, fight with us. And, and but and, you know, but it just it's just not it's not that simple. Um, but but you know what I mean? Like that's how. That's the argument of the fact that the moderate at the end of the day is just just supports the um, does a lot more uh, in the name of being left leaning ends up doing more to help. Right. So using causes. using the Godfather metaphor, I I have to join a family, is what you're saying. Like I can't just be a, a freelancer like uh, <laughs> like Salazzo. Um Yeah, but I but no, that's the thing, dude. I think as a, you are part of a family it's uh-huh. uh um, yeah and and, and yeah. i consider myself part of that family as well me too I'm not, I'm not, um, me too but it's it's a family i just don't like it's, how they engage it's, it's a the family that that uh it's a family that refuses to admit they're they're a family <laughs> that's it <laughs> but it's okay to like speak up and say hey should we do it this way isn't yeah. that what isn't that what we're doing that that's exactly what we're doing um but but I don't. I don't necessarily blame fools for eventually being like, "Oh, shut, shut the fuck up, dude! <laughs> shut let's, the fuck up! Let's just fight, man! <laughs> stop! Stop trying to! St- you stop trying to stall the fight and just be like, wait, guys, hold on, hold on. Let's before we start swinging, <laughs> let's think about this a little more. <laughs> because once you fight, it kind of the, the dust settles and everything kind of sort of returns to normal after that, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You, for the one that is oh, it's just dominance, and then for the one that got his their ass kicked, they're like, exactly. okay, you know, and yeah. then there's ugh, as horrible as that sounds, there's something to be said for that, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, can you tell us about your experiment, your thought experiment? Um, so you mentioned the baseball player earlier, and the guy, the the Walmart, the or Costco, mm-hmm. the guy. Mm-hmm refuse a mask and all that mm-hmm. there to, to wear a mask um mm-hmm. dude don't get me wrong my reaction to seeing those type of videos of people refusing to wear masks like it's just ridiculous like it, it, it i have a visceral reaction to that too like my when i see it emotionally i get frustrated mm-hmm. and i'm like oh these people are <sighs> what's wrong with these people mm-hmm. um but i do i do think when it comes to the shaming of those people, it's I think it's it's 
politically driven more than anything ideologically driven so like the way mm-hmm. that one goes about shaming them it really is it just comes down to one's ideological positions and so i would love to show um it'd be to to, to show people two different pictures one picture of black and brown people um not following the rules i i, I see it every day um, doesn't make me angry. Doesn't upset me or anything. They're not. They're not doing it for any like political reason. Um, but you know, like out on the streets out here, uh, Dominicans, um, they're they're not big believers of social distancing. Um, mm-hmm. And while they're not against masks, anyone who's worn a mask for a long period of time while hanging out, like you know, you eventually, you eventually <laughs> just just put it, you you rest it on your chin rather than like over your. It's you're like your fucking bad. calzone is falling off your ass and you start giving it. You just kind of, they get loose and you're like, I don't care. It's too hot. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Um, um, so, dude, you need to, um, you need to get better fitting underwear. They're falling off <laughs> on you all the time. Um, but yeah, uh, the, so I see it all the time. If you showed Say, for example, a progressive, uh, that a picture of Dominicans doing that in Washington Heights, um, and then show or showed a group of progressives, uh, one, some, one part of the group, uh, that image, and then another part of the group, the image of a, um, of a group of like white Christians, um, also breaking, not following the rules to, so they can get together for church or something. Um, it's both groups are doing the same thing. Um, there have both groups just have a hard time, you know, socially distancing and keeping on an uncomfortable mask and all that. I suspect though, that people will, will react to those pictures differently based on their political ideologies. And so, a progressive will look at the Dominicans doing it, and I suspect they would have more compa- more empathy for it, and more uh, like being like, "Well, you know, it's hard. It's hard." While if you, while if you when looking at the, the group of cri- white Christians in the South, uh-huh. um, uh, and, and one of them, some of them are wearing Trump hats or something, mm-hmm. they would the empathy, the tolerance for it would, would greatly diminish. And they would just be like, fuck these people. And these people are the problem. These people are idiots and vice versa. If you showed those pictures Mm -hmm. to a group of, Mm -hmm. you know, conservatives from the South, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I think they would, I think they would react to it differently as well. They would Mm -hmm. react to each image Mm -hmm. differently. Um, because like you said, your your reactions are are politically motivated. Yeah, totally. I, I think I, I, at least that's what I think. Um, I guess you would have to carry out that thought experiment to to see. Do you? Th- what do you think? Do you think? Yeah. Think- no. Yeah. Completely. And that gets back to kind of everything we've talked about today. You know. Um, Yeah, you told me that story, and my first reaction was like, damn, Dominicans. And I'm laughing and kind of smiling, and, like, there's a part of me that's going like, well, I'm glad somebody's, like, that adds levity to the whole thing, you know? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I happen to be fond of Dominicans, <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? 
Um, and that's mostly because they're probably because they're Latinos and then mm-hmm. because of I've been exposed to them through baseball and I have a very, I have a very warm reaction to the, to that culture. You know what I'm saying? Um, into, into minority groups in general. In general. So yes. But, but when I, but, but that's the thing, right? It, it works both ways. Like, I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of fucking cool and it's endearing. And then I'm like, why do you think, like, I need to, you know, as I unpack it, I'm like, well, it's not cool that they do that. <laughs> you know, it's like probably not the best thing for the rest of the community, you know? Um, I have to kind of the same way I'm going to be harsh on those, on those, you know, those, but my immediate reaction is, is like, Oh, that's funny. You know? Oh, that's look at those Dominicans go fucking having no regard for, for COVID. Right. Um, and then on the opposite, the, you know, the, the, the churchgoers, the evangelical evangelicals in a church or something, I'd probably be like, fucking these people are so stupid. Right. 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 Yeah. They're disgusting. You know, um, and I, yeah, fucking yeah. But you know, this is that, that gets back to this whole thing about like, that's how, that's how things kind of work in, in, in this reality now because of the Twitter sphere and because of social media. I don't have, nothing is forcing me to go deeper other than my own desire to understand why I'm feeling that way. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's not a follow up tweet that says, but Hey man, think about it. Is that fair? Is that a fair assumption to make? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That'll get you blocked. Exactly. But would, I mean, would, if, if, if what we're trying to do is like bring some fairness to the whole thing and bring some, bring, you know, bring a, a level of, of, you know, of understanding and of, of, I guess, fairness again, you know, wouldn't that be the, wouldn't that be a nice thing to do? You know, like, yeah, here's, here's some points. Here's some, here's some points to consider though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and I think and maybe naively, like maybe it's naive, but the reason why I uh, take that, take a more moderate position on things is really, it's, well, one of the main reasons is because I really do just want everyone to be able to play. Like, I really do want, um, uh, I, I, I give the benefit of the doubt to um, to people on, on all sides of the aisle and, and like, in this... Again, maybe naively utopian, idealistic way. Like I feel that that's possible, and I feel like you can bridge different groups and ideologies and and come together in, in forming a game where everyone can um, can 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 play cooperatively with each other. Um, and 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 maybe it's to a fault, you know. And and maybe it is naive in the sense that no, like some some players in the game and some ideas. We really do just need to cancel. As long as we keep them yeah, around, um, yeah. then this game's always going to be fucked. So mm-hmm. stop, like stop, stop trying to. It's 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 um, again, it's naive. I would add, I would add that that um, for some people, 
they've wanted to play the game for a long time and they've been shut out from it for so long that there's some very deep, deep rooted resentment and pain. Yeah. That, that doesn't go away by me and you just saying, come on, man, mm-hmm. the door's open to you. Come and play. It's, it's, you know, we love you. It's going to be good. Right. Like when you've been fucking repeatedly abused and oppressed and been denied access, it's not as simple as saying, okay, thank you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's going to take a while to process through that pain and it's going to manifest itself in different ways. And even if the door is open and the game is available to you, there's still like, Oh, there's still a lot of resentment there that needs to be acknowledged, you know? Oh, for sure. And and I think even, but even if you acknowledge the resentment, um, I think that the, the, what frustrates is that, we're not just saying, "Hey, man, the doors open, come play." What we're also saying is, "Hey, dude, and we gotta let we gotta let Billy play too," you know. And <laughs> and and what they're saying is like, "No, fuck Billy, man! Like Billy's the reason I haven't been able to play for this whole t- like." No, I'm not playing if Billy gets to play. Uh-huh. And we're saying like, mm-hmm. "Dude, I know what Billy did was fucked up, but you know, we gotta let's you know he's still he's on the field. You know, we can't just kick him out." And they're like, "No, let's kick that motherfucker out." <laughs> <laughs> So the all, the final question is: Do we do we do we work for a world where we we try to make it possible for Billy to play, so long as Billy understands that we're not going to tolerate his shit anymore? <laughs> That's my goal. Shame him, basically. That's my goal. Yeah, we can. Mm-hmm. I, I think Billy can be reformed. I think so too. I believe. I believe in redemption. And the final thing is: At what point? So here's here's. Here's the I think here's what's here's what here's where it gets difficult for everyone. At what point do we move on with the game? Because for me it's always it I'm always going to continue to have these stupid visceral reactions to things and go and go, fuck, the curtain should fucking stay down, you know, and then it's like, well shit. You know? And now I'm more confused than ever about the goddamn curtain, you know? I have I have feelings about where I want it to go. Um and it's always gonna it's always gonna veer toward the side of of the left and of a more progressive approach to looking at things, even if it's uncomfortable and clumsy and not yet where it needs to be, right? Mm-hmm. But um, some people at some point say, "All right, you need to let that shit go," right? But everyone mourns and goes through that through their grieving process differently, and I think. That's what makes it so hard. We, it, if you're a caring, thoughtful person, and some somebody has to grieve beyond what you think is the correct time or the correct amount of manifestation of that grief, you know, that's where we get in trouble because we 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 have. I think we. I do this all the time. With people that I, with groups that I'm, that I don't have a, an affinity for, but that it, when it's all said and done, I'm like, well, if that's how they need to go through their process, that's how they need to go through the process. And I'm talking specifically about like back, bringing it back to sports, you know, sometimes we just have to let that whole mourning, grieving process play itself out, even if it seems like, fuck, this has been going on forever, right? Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's people get impatient with that. And 
I think we need to we need to check in with ourselves about that too. And, and you know, in 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 baseball, there's a there's the the MVP trophy has a has the the name of baseball's first or base the commissioner of baseball that came after the Black Sox scandal. Um, and this guy, I always forget his name, Judge Tennis Tennis Kennesaw. I forget. Fuck, I'm gonna look it up here real quick, but. Uh, um, this guy's name is on the MVP award that gets handed to players, a lot of them black players, and this guy was an open fucking racist who was against the integration, integrating of the league, you know? And black players are saying, black players are saying, like, fuck, take that guy's fucking name off of it, right? And some people are saying, like, well, fuck, like, he, he's just a name that's part of, it's on a trophy, right? And, I mean... I think his fucking name should be removed. But at the same time, I get really upset when we start fucking taking statues down. So it gets really, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's such, it's something that's close to me. So it evokes a reaction. So then when I start look, working, working back to the statue thing, I'm like, well, fuck, maybe this is like the fucking MVP trophy to the, to the, to, to these people who want that fucking statue down, you know? Right. Yeah, man. Um, I th- I th- I think something that we we agree on and 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 you know what we're striving for with this is 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 the fact that sure like I I agree I I would I would be perfectly fine with with getting rid of his name from the trophy uh, or getting rid of certain statues but but those fights are are fights that would that we could those are battles that we could resolve so much more easily mm-hmm. um if we can be if if we could cultivate a a culture of of listening to each other of of not dehumanizing each other of being willing mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. you know uh, wrestle through our disagreements in a mm-hmm. in a way where we just acknowledge hey like well we all have to play the game and so mm-hmm. uh, we got to figure this out um i feel like that's what we're advocating for here is 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 extending that um that benefit of 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 the doubt that that benefit of faith to to the other side of um of of you know we want to take the statue down okay um and and but there there just need there needs to be a trust amongst like hey amongst these warring tribes um and that's what we don't have um and i think i feel like both of us um, are willing to respect each side. Uh, oh yeah, and 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 in doing that, like by doing that, like it'll just make make these make these um, these disagreements so much easier to to figure out. We have to figure them out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kennesaw Mountain Landis Memorial yeah. Baseball Award. I mean, yeah, I saw that name. Yeah. That's a that's a great name. It's a cool but, name. Yeah, this guy was this guy was you know when you get to know the history of this guy, it's pretty interesting because he he came after the Black Sox scandal and he, he was a judge, but he was kind of a showman more than anything. He's kind of like not really highly regarded by people. His baseball historians kind of point out that he was he was a showman more than anything. He was he Kennesaw Mountain Landis was about Kennesaw Mountain Landis, not about baseball per se. 
but he kind of kowtowed to the whims of the, you know, of the owners. And he kind of kept, you know, he propagated this good boy, good old, good old boys club, good boys club, you know, what it, good old boys. Is that mm-hmm. what is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to have this trophy that gets handed to you for being the baddest fucking player in the, in the land has this fool's name on it. Um, aside from the fact that he was a racist, um, is just, he, there's all there's all, all these layers to him and you know so much you think of that quote you know if you want things to stay the same something has to change you know right um and that's that's uh we don't really we don't need that it's not useful anymore to have some bigot's name on a fucking trophy you know no for um, sure it's just so so it kind of again goes back to this idea you know even even from within you know there you know there's the discordant voices on the other end of the political spectrum and then there are the discordant voices within your own family that you have to sometimes um acknowledge and humanize and that's 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 what i have a hard time with you know mm-hmm. um sometimes we're harder on the people we're closest to than we are on the people that we don't know you know Yes. Yeah, that's that's a great great point. Yes. That's that's classic family dynamics right there. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um so yeah. Uh Damn, this was good, profe. Yeah. We covered everything. I think we solved all the world's problems. Um Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything any closing remarks? Um no, no, I think we, I think we've said enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this, this, um, this thing I think can be summed up by, I, I've told this story already and I think it, it's, it's, it's worth retelling very quickly to end this, this program, this, this, uh, conversation today. Uh, remember I told you the last time I was at, uh, Wrigley Field to see a game with uh, with uh, with Skitch. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, we, we were there and and uh, we were sitting in the bleachers. And my experiences at Wrigley have been uh, kind of in the nicer seats. Uh, just I've been lucky to get free seats, but this time, you know, we sat in the in the, we sat with the we sat with the normal folks, you know, with the peasants. Yeah, with the peasants. Sat with the peasants uh, in the grandstand, you know. Um, grandstanding and shit, but the whole point is this: uh, How does life? How does how does sports explain life? And I think again, um, it's maybe one thing that we didn't mention in the beginning and in the conversation is that, that we've and we say this a million times. And that is, it's, it's sometimes it explains it, but then other times it allows you to work through some of those things in a in a in a in a in a in three hour segments, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh being in this grandstand that day and the cubs were winning they were cruising to a victory it was uh, during the years when the i was after the world series when the cubs had a really amazing team still so these folks are used to seeing the cubs take a lead and by the time they've taken a lead they're going to probably win this game so now we've kind of got nothing to resist against right uh we don't have an other to fight against <laughs> right yeah um so then the people in the left field bleachers started yelling at the right field bleachers saying right field sucks, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then the right field people started saying, uh, looking left field sucks, you know? 
what I found really fucking beautiful is that I didn't hear center field sucks or, you know what I'm saying? It was kind of like there was a clear division between right and left field. There was no like center field is great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's something there there's about the conversation there. today, you know? <laughs> totally. Um, That's so good. I, I didn't hear center field sucks nor do i hear center field is the best i just heard right field versus left field and this is in the absence of somebody to fucking be upset at we start fighting within our own family and then but even then we still polarize ourselves within our own families there's no 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 center field no no crowd for the center field or something like that the lost tribe that's it. Um, yeah, so that's it. That's it for today. Uh, profe, make sure you wear your mask. Keep six feet apart. And this is going to require a lot of effort on our part, so get to work, cabrones. I've looked at clouds from both sides now, from up and down. Still somehow It's cloud illusions I recall I really don't know clouds At all Moons and dunes And fairies wheels The dizzy dancing way that you feel As every fairy tale comes through I've looked at love that way But now it's just another show And you leave them laughing when you go And if you can, don't let them know Don't give yourself away I've looked at love from both sides now From a give and take Still somehow it's love's illusions that I recall I really don't know love I really don't know love at all And they tell me that I've changed 
Well, something's lost, but something's gained in living every day. I look at life from both sides now, from win and lose, and still somehow it's life's illusions I recall. I really don't know life at all. It's life's illusions that I recall. I really don't know life. I really don't know life.